Would you please join with me in prayer? Come Holy Spirit, fill each and every one of us as we reflect once again on this great word that our Lord has for us. For Lord, you are the one who comes to give us rest and has a light yoke. And you're the one who transforms us by the renewing of our minds. Lord, renew our minds this morning. Help us to think your thoughts. Speak through me. And help each and every one of us to know you, to follow you with wholehearted devotion, having met you as we gather together this morning. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Survey after survey has discovered in our most recent survey, which we've received here at Christ Church for our leadership called the Percept Survey, reveals that not only our area, but all over America, you know, especially in the suburbs, but here we've discovered people in the West Shore area are busy, working hard, striving, time-juggling, successful family people who wish they had more time to rest. And it's an observation just from Gene. It's not scientific. What I, what I see is people have an unspecified soul weariness. They can't necessarily put their fingers on it. But I know what it is. And you know what it is. In Christchurch, if you really think about it, we were birthed seven years ago, out of a desire for revival. Uh, I don't know if that's why you walked away, but that's why I walked away. Yeah, and I know many of you are shaking your heads going, yep, yeah, that's it. We stood for the truth of the gospel. And we wanted to see a new revival out of a faithful Anglican expression here, an Anglican Christianity that welcomes people to this Jesus, who's an amazing Messiah who, who's a, he's not a imposes and burdens on us. He's a burden lifter, not a burden imposer. And we long for our friends to know that for his greater glory. When he says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Being World Mission Sunday, you know, I could have preached on the Genesis 12 text, but I think we've heard a lot about Abraham lately, haven't we? If you've been with us, Romans 3 and 4, it's like, my gosh, we went through, you know, Abraham three out of those four Sundays. Then I could have preached on Psalm 68, but back in 2009, I preached on that. You don't keep records. I do. I don't want to bore you, you know. I've preached on Revelation 7 before and the, the, with the martyrs around the throne of God. And I could have preached on Matthew 28, but I think you've heard this before. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'll be with you to the ends of the age. Uh, you know, it's World Mission Sunday. And I, and I just pray to the Lord, Lord, what would you have your people know as global Anglican Christians. It just, this was impressed upon me. What we need to know is the message which we take. More so, because we all know, we've just spent three and a half years talking about how meeting needs and sharing our faith. Well, 
Today, we're going to look at this wonderful message and dwell on just the three points that verse 28 in Matthew 11 give us. So I encourage you to op- turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 11, verse 28. Because we're going to see three very relevant points that God tells us through the words of Jesus. And it really will launch our ministry this week as you go about your work week. What we see in this passage is an invitation. We see a qualification. And we see a promise. An invitation, a qualification, and a promise. First, an invitation. Jesus says, come to me. You have to come to Jesus directly. And he commands it. It's a very simple command. It has to be simple because it's for people like us, you know. And I'm struck by the word that he uses, come. He could have used a lot of different words with Hebrew nuances to say come. He uses the word translated in the Greek, diote, which is a gentle encouraging, emphatic, come to me. It's as if he's saying, over here, I'm over here, you know, what you really want is over here, come on, all right? He's over here, and we're over here at a distance that we have, you know, is a lot greater than we expected, quite frankly, and he's waving, and he said, hey, I want you over here with me, you know? What you think you want is, is false, come on. Come on over here. What you're really looking for is over here with me. Come and get it. All right? So, we need to get up and go to Jesus. And there's a lot of way that happens in one's life. And there's not a silver bullet that that works for any one person. If we all stood up and gave our story of how we came to Jesus, for those of us who have, it'd be different. And it's really cool to see how the Lord brought each and every one of us to himself. But I do need to tell you that there's a lot of people out there who say, oh, I believe in Jesus, and it doesn't affect their lives at all. Right? And there's a lot of people who say, I believe in Jesus, and they've memorized a few Bible verses, they've memorized a few uh, points of the catechism, and they might have all the right doctrine, but they don't have the relationship with Jesus that this passage is speaking of. All they did intellectually was change their opinion. But it's not a personal relationship that Jesus is describing here. But if you do truly come to Jesus, and you're a second-class Christian just like me, uh, you're promised rest. What you're really looking for is a rest that only God can give you. It's that soul weariness when you come to Jesus that he promises So that's our message. Come to me here on the West Shore for our friends where we live, work, and play. And it's also for us. And all we got to say is when you're feeling a little discouraged, Lord, show me how to come to you and we'll never stop coming. But there's a condition that he places on this. All right? He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Because you know, if you're successful, if you've got it all together, you say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but no, thank you, Gene. You know, I, I will do this, but I won't do that. And yet the Bible clearly commends it. 
I'm not interested in that kind of relationship with Jesus. Those people who would say such things are disqualified. And I don't even know why you're here. I'm glad you're here. But I'm puzzled why such a person would be here with us. But if you're busy, laboring hard, weary laden, tired, exhausted, disappointed, been betrayed, failed, you're the one Jesus wants. Who are the weary and heavy laden? Uh, People with baggage, and they're willing to admit it. Right? People with a past. People who are hauling around regrets. Parents who'd wish they'd raised their kids better. Older people that are haunted by remorse. Husbands and wives who'd wish they'd never been married. Young people who are terrified of the future. I've already ruined my chance at life and I'm only 18. Older people whose bodies are starting to fail them. Whose memories are starting to fail them. Whose minds literally are failing them. People who are sexually confused. They're surprised at themselves, thinking, I don't make sense to myself. Why am I like this? People who have failed. People searching for the truth. People who can't sleep because their minds go all night long pondering the things that they could possibly do, things that they're capable of, and it's scary. People who refuse to put down their laboring. People who refuse to even cast their burdens. Yoke to things they think that will satisfy them and they never do. In other words, we're the ones who Jesus wants to come to him. (laughs) See, we qualify. And he never stops inviting us in. You just have to admit you qualify. Right? Admit whatever your burden is, Jesus says, bring it to me. That's what the cross is all about. I died for that burden 2,000 years ago. Why are you carrying that 400-pound yoke? Mine is light as a feather for you. Lay it upon him. It's done. It's complete. Bring it. He's glad to have it. Because that's why he came. So that's the qualification And third, there's a promise he gives to all who do just this. He says, I will give you rest. God, personally, will be the one who intervenes and gives you a rest in the present. It's not just for the future. It's emphatic. It's present and future. It's a promise. He's all in for you. He will give you rest. And we don't have to earn it. We don't have to deserve it. And he's glad to do this. He does it freely. My friends, Jesus is rich in grace. And in the words of Ray Ortland, the pastor of Emmanuel Church in Nashville, he's a big spender. He's got a big wad of grace cash in his pocket just for you. And he gives people rest. Meaning a divine, profound remedy for every issue in your life that is burdensome. 
that makes us restless and unsettled. He will never exhaust his rest for you. See, this is so vital a message, my friends, that we need to know before we even go. We need to experience this before we even go. And as we discover this rest in the present, you'll never exhaust the peace and the joy and the hope that we experience in this life. Because Jesus gives us a rest of conscience. You can sleep. And he gives rest from the need to always be right. He gives rest from always having to be in control. He gives rest from the fear of the future and being anxious. He gives rest from self-centeredness. He gives rest from pouting over your circumstances. He gives rest from our endless list of if-onlys. Fill in the blank. Jesus knows how to lead people like us into green pastures and beside still waters. Scripture says that God's people will go out like a calf, leaping out of a stall, just playful. It's like Sherlock when you come to greet me and he's in the front yard. You know, there's no more excited creature to see you than my Sherlock. This is a bounding enthusiasm. You just take a step for him and say, I'm going to get you, and he starts running. You don't even have to, your pulse will never raise. You can stand there for 10 minutes. He just keeps running. It's great, you know? You don't have to work to own a pet. That's why I own Bassets, all right? You just, I'll get you, and they start running. It's great, but there's no more exciting creature on the face of the planet than my Sherlock to see you. That's what he does for us. He gives us this kind of rest, and we can experience it. And the reality is on this World Mission Sunday, we long for everyone to experience this present tense rest, as well as the future rest, here across the west shore of Cleveland. Because according to the statistics, we are impressive, creative, ambitious, educated, accomplished, affluent, broken-hearted people caught in the traps of consumerism, materialism, and individualism. <laughs> All who need rest. Now the world will tell you how you can get rest, right? We see it right after Christmas, all January, and the commercials are still going. You know, come to me, says Sandals, you know, and I will give you rest if you're wealthy, rich, young, and fit. You know, how many of us qualify? All four. You got to meet all four. Right? You know, you see, that's not for real people. And those people don't need a vacation. You need a vacation. Right? This is for real people. You know? Real rebels. Real sinners. Real consumers like me and individualists like me and materialists like me in this real rest shore, because we need real rest. Sandals can't give it to me. Jesus can. I'd like to go. You know, that'd be nice. But, you know, don't, don't buy into what the culture says. That's why, dear friends, speaking of inspiring worship services, we don't come just to 
come to church to check off our obligatory moral check. All right, I went to church. Check. Because if that's all you're coming, that's your motivation for coming, that's all you're going to get. If you come to see some friends you've met along the way here, well, you'll get friends, but that's all you're going to get. But we, who left seven years ago, we come to meet Jesus. And this message is all about coming to this Jesus because I got burdens just like you. I labor too hard and try to do it my own way, just like you. And I get heavy laden, just like you. And I know the rest. I hope you do too. This is our message. Because the church is more than singing songs, hearing a sermon, taking some bread and wine and hanging out. Because Jesus is here. Every service we gather together. And he gives us rest in his word and in the sacrament and empowerment to live the life you've been called to live starting right after this service, carrying into Monday morning. And when you've got this rest, Jesus gives you a very specific title. He calls you his disciple. Henceforth, you become a learner, a person who wants to know more and to grow more. And it's a lifelong learning, and it's a light yoke. It's a light See, you can't be a consumer and be a Christian. You can't just simply come and get rest on Sunday and then during the rest of the week not put his yoke on. And you put the world's yoke on, which is unsatisfying. See, a lot of people do that, right? A lot of people pick and choose what they want to believe, you know? Oh, I believe Matthew, this is cool, come to me all who labor, but this, this stuff in Chronicles, yeah, you know, you know. Kings, you know, Ezekiel. No, I don't believe that. But this is this Jesus. He's cool. You know? It's all about God. It's all the same God who loves you, fulfilled in Jesus. So that's a question for each and every one of us. Have we really come? Are we a disciple? Are we a learner? Are we growing? Are we picking and choosing? Because, you know, I love the prayer book, and we are going to have a new prayer book in 2019. I'm really looking forward to it. But the reality is, just just praying a ritual will never give you rest, right? You might have been confirmed at 11 years old before you ever really fully understood the good news of the gospel, and you answered the questions that mom and dad or the priest taught you, but you never had a reaction to the living God, an experience, because I came and I rested in him. Those things are good, but they're not ultimate. If you come, have you come and gotten serious about your relationship and your learning and your growth in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, I'm not sure you've come. Tim Keller calls this a sugar high faith. It's like spiritually drinking a six-pack of Mountain Dew for a six-year-old boy. (laughs) You don't want to be around that kid, you know? They're just bouncing off and inconsistent, right? They come to church and they hear a sermon and they feel a little guilty, so they give their life to Jesus. Jesus loves me. I give them to him, but I'll do it my way. (laughs) And then like a sugar high, they crash. And they wonder why it doesn't work, right? Well, of course. You're picking and choosing. You're being a consumer. 
can't be a materialist. It's all God's. Can't be an individualist. Your life's not your own. You were bought with a price. He's Lord. No, my friends, when you realize all your picking and choosing is just a false yoke, even if it appears light, it's going to get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier, and you're going to have burdens that you won't be able to carry. And then you turn it over to Jesus Christ, who takes it off and gives you his. And you'll realize that you don't call the shots. He does. That's when you know you've come. I want to encourage you to do so. When this Jesus died on the cross for us so willingly, he took every burden that you currently carry 2,000 years ago. He did this for you and me. Every weary, heavy-laden, laboring person in this room today has a Savior who says, give it to me. It's lighter than titanium. Trust me. I will give you rest. And when you become this lifelong learner, this disciple, seeking to hear what he has to say, reading about him, studying him, reflecting upon him, looking at his gentleness, this humility, this greatness, and saying, Lord, I want to learn from you, it transcends cultures. It's amazing how this message of come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, works here in Avon Lake Bay, Sheffield Lake, Avon, and beyond here in Cleveland. It also works in Bukuru. Heard from Bishop Juwan this week. He sends you his greetings. Can you hear him? Right? I bring you my greetings. Tell the saints at Christ Church. He's had to close three churches this year because they were attacked and burned and people were killed and driven out. And yet, in the rest of the diocese, the church is exploding. You got people hanging out the windows to hear the gospel. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit's doing there. They are so faithful. We think we're heavy laden and burdened here. <sighs> we need to take a field trip. That's not for the lighthearted. You know where it also works is Sydney, Australia. You know, have you ever met Australians? I met a lot in seminary and, and, and beyond through the Simeon Trust. Here's, here's what I've recognized about Australians. They're naturally rude. <laughs> They're fun people. They really are. But they live in the sun and the sand of Sydney, Perth, and Melbourne. You don't want to live anywhere else because you go into the interior of that continent. It's dangerous. They got critters there who will eat you, you know? And, and there, it's just a pagan culture down there. But yet, the Anglican School of Moore Theological College has faithfully taught people how to preach this word and to love that culture, and the Anglican church is growing. Now, why is it growing in Sydney but not growing here? I, I, I got to talk to this. I don't know. But I know we want to see the Lord move through us. I know that. So let's keep praying, friends. Because it transcends the cultures. 
So to conclude, I want to encourage our teenagers and college students specifically. Number one, find your identity in this one who says, come to me right where you are. Don't buy the culture's different identities because they're a false yoke. And it will always be heavier and heavier as you grow older. Don't believe it. It's going to change in three weeks, young people. There is transcendent truth, and this truth is found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Find your gospel identity in youth, no matter what your, your orientations, your attractions, your interests. Find it in Jesus, because there's great hope for you right now as you go back to school tomorrow. For our adults, this come, all your laboring, as you go back to work tomorrow and you have to leave at 6 o'clock in the morning to get to work on time at 7, many of you, I know, I'm with you. Did it for many years. <sighs> You're the only Bible your coworkers read. You're carrying this transcendent worth with you. Go do excellent work first. That's the first thing. Secondly, just as, as coworkers share with you their problems and their problems, say, say this. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Now, if you've never said that, we got to get over offending people by being a Christian, all right? You know, do we worry about offending people because we're going to pray for them? They're going to get mad with us and lose a friendship? <laughs> okay. You know, it's interesting. Uh, there was a, a guy in high school that was hot on Kimmy, who sent me an email address, an email about a week and a half ago. He said, hey, Gene, I just want to get caught up and see how you and Kim are doing. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't send it to Kim. But I knew he was a policeman. He moved to Virginia Beach. I knew that. That's the last I heard of him. And so I said, you know, it took me a few days. Email is email, you know. So I said, hey, Jack, it's, it's good to hear from you. I just went for it. I'm an Anglican minister. You know, here's, here's what the Lord's been doing in our life. Talked about my, Kimmy and my children and what's going on in their lives. Yeah, yeah, long email. Look forward to hearing back from you. Crickets chirping all the way from Virginia Beach. All right. When you identify with Jesus, don't expect the world to applaud, but we're not, a, we're not living for the world. We're living for him. Okay? Adults, remember that as we go back. Be bold for him and know he's with you no matter. And for my older friends who are retired, whose knees don't work like they used to, maybe you got a couple fake ones, you know. You're, you're, you, you can't remember that name. You should, but you can't remember it. Your memory isn't maybe as sharp as it once was. Oh, you have purpose. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need your support. We need your prayers. We need your ministry among us. Whatever you can physically accomplish, we need it. You have meaning and value among us here. Take that burden and let us cast it all on Jesus, my friends. That's the rest we need. That's our message. Let's 
constantly keep coming to him, laying down our doing, our burdens, our labors, our heavy ladens. Let's find real rest. The world can't copy it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we know that our weariness comes from refusing to lay down our busyness, our works, our doing, our consumerism, our materialism, our individualism. comes from yoking ourselves to things through which we try to prove ourselves. We see our weariness comes from refusing the only burden and only yoke that's light and freedom granting. The application of this verse for each and every one of us are infinite. For the person just thinking about what this means to be a Christian, and for the person who's been at this for many, many years, this text is life itself. I pray that you would make it life for each and every one of us this morning in this room and make it a living text for us. I pray that over the next couple minutes and through our prayer time as, as we reflect and meditate about being a global church and think about this meaning for our lives that you would start to show us how our weariness really is a soul weariness much deeper than we thought. It's much deeper than any physical or psychological. It's spiritual. And I pray, Lord, how we recognize it, that you and you alone can give us true rest. Show us, Lord, and we'll never stop coming to you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.